I enjoy having the uh, musicians play. Uh, John Trofton sent Benjamin a note this morning that uh, his blood sugar is way up today, and so he wasn't uh, feeling up to being able to be here and participate. He usually plays the baritone there, but uh, sorry he couldn't be here. So add him to your prayer list if you would. That'd be great. Hey, we are looking this morning at you shall love the Lord your God. You shall show love to God. You shall uh, care about Him. Uh, And one of the ways we show love to God is by praying to Him. So right now what we're going to do is we're going to let you have a, a couple of moments of quiet prayer, just you talking to God, and then I'll lead in prayer. So let's just worship Him in prayer for just a moment. Heavenly Father, we come here today with different burdens, different hurts. Some are frustrated over sinful choices they made or little rude comments that maybe slipped out. Some are frustrated over the circumstances of life. You have allowed health concerns or financial concerns or relationship concerns. Some Don't feel frustrated at all, but they still have needs. And so, Lord, when we gather in this place on Sunday, in in your house, on your day, uh, we're, we're so aware of your holiness and our lack of holiness. And so we pray that you would stir our hearts, encourage us, draw us closer to yourself. If there are those here this morning who have not trusted Christ as Savior, I pray that today they would do it. They would receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. If there are those who are questioning you or struggling to follow you, I pray that this day they would be renewed in their confidence to follow you and make a greater commitment to do so. May you be honored and glorified by the thoughts that we think. And then when we leave this place, by the lives that we live. In Jesus' name, amen. You shall love the Lord your God. Look, please, in Matthew 22. Matthew 22. um, We're going to look at just a couple of verses toward the end of that chapter. Matthew 22, beginning in verse number 35. Then one of them, a lawyer asked him a question, testing him and saying. So here's the big question in uh, Matthew twenty-two thirty-six: Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? And in verse 37, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. So love the Lord your God. Uh, The Pharisees had 613 commandments. 613. 
And they tried to rate them and rank them, you know, like we do in our legal system. We have misdemeanors, and then we have felonies. Uh, and so they, they tried to rank them and different things, and, and they, they love to argue. The rabbinical schools, one of the training modules you had to complete to become a rabbi was to learn how to argue really effectively. Uh, and that was part of their culture. And so they would get up and they would argue over which point of the law was the most significant. And of course, the, the Sadducees would argue in favor of temple worship because the Sadducees controlled the temple. And the Pharisees would argue for the synagogue worship because the Pharisees controlled the synagogues. And, and so they'd work at it like that and argue over what was more important and which one. You know. And so they came to Jesus and, and at First, this sounds like a legitimate quest. They've had all these arguments going on, and now one says to Jesus, Hey, Rabbi, Master, which is the most important law? And and so it seems like he really wants to know. But look more closely at the verse. Verse number 36, Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question. What are the next words? Testing him or tempting him. He wasn't trying to get wisdom from Jesus. He was trying to get Jesus in a box. He was trying to get Jesus to do something that would give him an occasion to reject Jesus. This lengthy debate had been going on since before those rabbis were born. And they were trying to trip Jesus up. But he then exposes their hypocrisy. You shall love the Lord your God. Now, every morning the Orthodox Jew would say the Shema. Or uh, this part from Deuteronomy 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Every morning, the Orthodox Jew would rise and he would say that. That was part of his morning ritual of worship and connection with God. And Jesus said, hey, that thing you do every morning, that's supposed to be the most important part of your day, is worshiping God and loving God and responding to God. You shall love The Lord, your God. Now, there's some reasons why we should love Him. 1 John 4.19, we love Him because why? He first loved us. We love Him because He first loved us. Because He died for us. He made the way of salvation for us. Psalm 116 Verses 1 and 2 says, I love the Lord because He has heard my voice and my supplications, because He has inclined His ear to me. Therefore, I will call upon Him as long as I live. We love the Lord because He listens when we pray. Isn't that cool? Kathy and I have found that occasionally we don't listen to each other when we're talking. I won't say which of us two is the most guilty one, but it might be the one who needs hearing aids. Um, But 
one day recently, she was telling me something and I thought she was finished. And so I walked away. And once I have turned my back, I can't hear. And so she kept talking and I just was gone. And then she looked up and no one around. And she said, well, I was talking to him. And then for a minute she got scared and thought I got raptured on her. But no, <laughs> not really, not really. Okay, but, but did you know that God never stops listening? Now, I know any of the parents in here who have young kids, uh, I could ask you, describe a time lately when you saw your kid tune out when you were talking to him. You know, they get that glazed look in their eyes. And you, you know it's happening. But God never does that. He hears when we pray. He listens not just to the words from your mouth, he listens to your heart. We love him because he has heard my voice and my supplications. Hebrews 6.10 says, He rewards your love for him. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have, have, have shown toward his name and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. He rewards your love for him. Isn't that amazing? It, it's not just that he says... Hey, I love you first so you can love me. I really listen and engage with you. But when you love, he responds back with blessings in your life. So how much should we love God? This much, right? Uh, Kathy's done that with the grandkids sometimes. She'll, I love you this much. And they're like, no, Grandma. I love you this much. No, Grandma. I love you this much. And they'll go, yeah. And then they'll step into the hug. Uh, but it's not just a physical limitation of your arm span as how much you love God. But listen to what the scriptures said. Now, uh, we just read in Matthew, and it talks about heart, soul, and mind. Mark and Luke add the word strength. So, with all your heart, love the Lord your God with all your heart. What is the heart? It's, it's the core of your being. It's from the center of who you are. It's your core values. It's your core personhood. Love Him from deep down inside. Love Him with all your soul. Now some of you have pets. And you've, some of you who have pets are extremely attached to those pets. Some have pets and they're not that attached to them. I had a friend tell me, he said, I don't know why my wife got so upset when the dog died. We can just buy another dog, right? Uh, no, she, she had a love for that dog. So, um, but no matter how much you love those pets, they do not have soul. In... Uh, Genesis, when God's recording uh, the creation week and he spoke creation into existence. And on day one, he said, oh, that's good. And day two, day three, day four, day five. Gets to day six, and now he creates all the land animals. And he puts uh, the hippopotamus and the dinosaurs and, and all those land animals out there. He creates them. And then it says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And he breathed into man the breath of life. 
and man became a living soul. I like cows in ground beef and steaks. And... <laughs> but God didn't breathe a soul into a cow or a dog or a cat. Maybe a tiger. No. He didn't breathe a soul into any other living thing. So you can love in a way that your dog can't, your cat can't. You can love from your soul because he breathed into your life and made you a living soul. And then he says, love with all of your mind. And some of you are thinking, yeah, that's getting easier because it's getting smaller. Listen. Even when your mind doesn't remember God, if by chance you had dementia or Alzheimer's so you couldn't remember God, God still remembers you. But what thinking capacity you have, use all of it to love God. You may not be brilliant. You may not be have the brain of a genius. But use the brain you have. To love God with the whole part of it. And you're thinking and you're evaluating the decisions you make. Think about and show your love for God. Uh, you can evaluate and understand and decide and, and love God from that part of you. And then Mark and Luke both add, with all your strength. In Deuteronomy, when it talks about your his. Uh, with your mind, might, or strength to love God. It comes uh, from a, a word, root word meaning fire, that, that fire that's inside of you, from, from your strength. And you say, well, I'm weak. Love him with the strength that you have. If you have great strength, love him with that strength. Love him with every part of your being. Your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Love the Lord your God. There's an intensity described here with all, with everything you've got. And there's a completeness, heart, soul, mind, strength. Love Him intensely, intentionally, on purpose, with everything you've got. And I want to give you this morning... Four simple lenses to help you evaluate your love for God. Sorry about that. Four simple lenses. Now, if you want to write this down, it's really simple. On the left side of your note sheet there, write L-O-V-E. And I'm going to give you four things. This is not all-encompassing, all of God's truth in one microcosm and uh, a service. If I even tried to include that, I would have to talk so fast you couldn't understand what I was saying. Lean. The first thing, L. Lean. Lean into God. This is a picture of a couple sitting on a bench, and they're just leaning into each other. Lean into Him. When you feel anxious, what's your first response? Do you worry and then worry some more? Or do you pray to God? Uh, do you take something to make you feel less stressed? Like P. 
people do today with prescription drugs or alcohol or illegal drugs or food, um, something to make you feel less stressed? How many of you have ever heard the concept of comfort food? How many of you know what your comfort food is? When you feel stressed, do you lean to the Lord or do you lean to the fridge? See, 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Lean toward him. Another way to lean toward him, when you're anxious, what's your first response? Second part of that, when you have a decision to make, who's the first person you talk to? Is it your best friend, your spouse, one of your parents? Is it a sibling, your pastor, uh, your deacon or his wife? Jeremiah 33.3 says, call unto who? God. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. That's what God said. Your first response is to call God. Now, I'm in a network of pastors. I'll be meeting with some of them on Wednesday. Every other month we meet together. Two months ago, we had like 25 guys there. Sometimes we have more or less. Um, And I think the most we've ever had is like 45 and the least about a dozen. Uh, But we get together and sometimes we just share our burdens and we pray for each other. And it's really neat. And there's some of those pastors that uh, that when I have questions or issues and I'm trying to work things through, I'll call and I'll talk to them or we'll meet together or we'll text or email or something. But we, we need to develop the mindset and habit of going to God. When we have concerns. Now, another part of leaning into him, do you feel his presence when you're with a group of believers? You see, somebody can say, you know, I went to church and I just never felt God's presence there. And I'll tell you, sometimes it could be because it's a poor church, most of the time. It's because that person's heart wasn't right with God. Because what did Jesus say? Where two or more are gathered in my name, where is he? Right there in the midst. He was there. They just missed him. Because when believers gather together, the Lord's there. You can feel his presence if you're leaning in, paying attention, being aware. When you face big difficulties, do you still trust Him, lean into Him? When your kids or grandkids turn away from God, can you still trust Him? Uh, When your parents, kids, or spouse are facing great health difficulties, when you're facing great health difficulties, can you still trust Him, lean into Him? When you try to do something kind for someone and it blows up in your face, can you still trust God? Now here's something else to remember. It's not just when you're weak, but when you're feeling strong and confident. Do you lean in toward the Lord? What did Jesus say in John 15, 5? For without me you can do what? Without me you can do nothing. Nothing. Without leaning in toward Him, without the Lord's grace and good, you can't do anything. 
So sometimes the most gifted people, the most skilled people, the strongest people, they don't learn to lean on the Lord because they don't think they need to. And Jesus said, if you're not leaning on me, you're accomplishing nothing. Nothing. They're not torturing anyone. <laughs> Just clarify. If you heard, it didn't hear, there's a cry from the nursery area. No one's being tortured. Did you know that kids sometimes can be strong-willed? That might have been my wife's grandchild. I'm not sure. (laughs) Lean on the living God. Are you leaning on him? Is it the habit and practice of your daily life to spend time in prayer, reading your Bible, focusing on him, leaning on him? When you're planning your finances, are you giving generously to him? Are you leaning on him? Second letter, O is obey. Oh, you were hoping I would do this, right? And all the parents said, Amen. <laughs> Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. It's interesting to me that some parents bypass the laws when it's convenient and then expect their kids to obey them. Obey. So let's name five rules that God has for us, okay? Uh, what's a rule that God has for us? Couldn't hear. Do not steal. Do not steal. Okay. Now let's go uh, from the row the quals are on forward. What's a rule? Do not commit adultery. Somebody said do not bear false witness. But was that further back? Ah, ah. All right. So, do not steal. Do not commit adultery. Do not bear false witness. Give me another one here. Love your enemies. All right. Now, the sound booth. Give me one. Children, obey your parents. (laughs) See, these are ways... That we obey. But, but listen. Are you obeying the spirit of the commandment? Or just the rule of the commandment? So, when it says, love your enemies, pray for them that despitefully use you. So, if somebody's being mean to you, or rude to you, or obnoxious to you, what should be your first response? Show love toward him and pray for him. What normally is our first response? It's it's hard, especially, especially when it's someone you don't respect. It's hard enough when it's somebody you love. But when it's somebody you don't respect, you really don't want to take that from them. Hey, what about don't commit adultery? 
Uh, What's the spirit of the law? Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. But he said, I say unto you, don't what? Don't lust. Don't look on a woman. Don't lust. So uh, that, that would include not just don't have inappropriate physical intimacy outside of a committed marriage relationship. That would include pornography. That would include all kinds of stuff that's the spirit of the law. Okay, And when we come to don't steal, that's where we started from. This will be the last illustration I'll use here for obeying the spirit of the law. Did you know that in the New Testament, when it talks about the spirit of that law, it says when you're paid to do a job and you don't work hard, you're purloining, you're stealing from the person paying you. Because you're shirking your responsibility. How many of you have seen that happen in our culture? Yeah, you go in some stores and the employees are yak, 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 yak with each other. Every now and then I feel like saying, do your job. If you did your job, my stuff would be cheaper. So I don't think there's anyone in this room who would think it was okay to walk into Walmart, grab something off the shelf, stick it in your pocket, and walk out without paying. But Christians steal all the time by not working hard when they're paid for a job. So obey not just the rules that God has, but the spirit of those rules. See, the spirit of the rule for obey your parents is not just follow your parents' rules and regulations, but to actually honor them and show love toward them. That's the spirit of that law. So are you obeying the spirit of the rules that God has? When you obey, is it just outward conformity or is it that inward continuing to lean in your obedience? How would your life be different if you obeyed the spirit of God's commandments, not just the rules? Obey. What's the third letter? V. This is to value God, to value Him. That means when you value something, you think it's really important. So, I have known parents who are just just exhausted. They are just so exhausted they can hardly think. And they are going to go to sleep and they do not plan on getting up for at least six or seven hours. And as they're falling asleep, a child down the hall cries out in terror. What does that parent do? They put in earplugs. No! They leap out of bed. The person who could hardly lift their foot to get in bed is now running down the hallway. The one who thought they would not be able to open their eyes for five or six hours is now, they're running. What's going on? Are you okay? Why? Because the one they love There's a value system there. And we should value God. 
We, we should value Him. We should think He's important. We should worship Him. We should serve Him. We should love Him. But we should value Him. If you had to give up your relationship with God, if somebody came into you and said, I'll give you $5 million to give up your relationship with God, would you stop going to church for a year? What if somebody said, uh, teenager, they're, in a, they're attracted to another teenager and that boy or that girl, uh, the girl who's attracted to a boy or the boy is attracted to a girl and, and they're, they're worrying about, um, uh, you know, that, that girl's attracted to this boy and he doesn't think church is very important and he doesn't want to follow God and so he tells her, if you love me, you'll just disregard God's rules. And if you love that person, what you have to choose is to love God more, to value God more. If I asked you to name the three most important relationships in your life, would God be first on the list? Do you value Him? In Psalm 84, 2, the psalmist said, My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. So lean on Him. Obey Him. Value Him. What's the last letter? E. Exalt Him. Exalt. Uh, What are you doing that brings glory to God? Now, we, were, we started out our service uh, with some scripture reading and then some songs, and we sang together, and some of those songs really resonate in my heart. I especially like the song we just sang before the message, uh, You Are My All in All. That's how our relationship's supposed to be with God. That he's just the most important thing to us. He's our all in all, and we sang that earlier in the service. And, and there's some other songs that... Um, that's worshiping God. And I, some of those songs really resonate with me as the deer. In fact, when I was thinking of how to end our service this morning, I thought, oh, we could end with this song. Oh, they already have that on the schedule. Well, then we could end with this song. Oh, they have that on the... Well, we could end with this song. Oh, well, that's on the schedule. And then I thought of a song that wasn't on the schedule that would be a good way to end this. But exalt the Lord. We, we exalt Him by worshiping Him. We exalt Him by witnessing for Him, by talking to other people, and we tell them about God. See, we really don't have a problem witnessing at all. If you, on your way home today, uh, uh, you saw somebody driving like an idiot and almost got in an accident, and then you come back to church tonight at 6 o'clock, which I hope you will, and then you would have no trouble saying, man, I'm on my way home from church this morning, I almost got in an accident. You're witnessing. You're testifying of something. If you go out for dinner, and it is you know, a new restaurant in town, and it's fantastic, you want other people to know. Because you want to get enough people going there, the restaurant will stay in town. <laughs> And so you want them to know and go. We, we witness all the time. But do we witness about the most important one? Do we exalt God by witnessing? 
Jesus said one of the ways to bring glory to God is to bring forth much fruit. And that brings glory to God. We bring glory to God by being faithful. Faithful in our personal relationship. If you're married, be faithful in that relationship. If you work with people, be faithful on the job. Be faithful in church. Be faithful to serve. We worship Him and we exalt Him by serving and by ministering. What might you do in your life that exalts God or conversely, what might you do that does not exalt God? See, our goal is not let's maintain an A-plus average. See, God has an interesting system. It's either 100% or fail. You're either exalting God or you're not. He doesn't have a pass-fail. And that's why people think they can earn their way to heaven. You can't earn your way to heaven. You receive a gift from God or you don't get there. There's no in-between. So these are four simple lenses to help you evaluate your love for God. To lean on Him. To obey Him. To value Him. To exalt Him. With all your heart. The core of your being. With all your soul. That living soul that God placed in you. With all your mind, your reasoning, your capacity to evaluate, to understand, to decide. Love Him with all your strength. These speak of an intensity. All, 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 all. And a completeness. Heart. Soul, mind, strength. You shall love the Lord your God. Won't you bow your heads just for a moment? We're going to sing a song in just a minute. Wonderful, merciful Savior. Before we do that, I want you to take a minute, less than a minute, a few seconds. And ask God how you are showing love well, how you need to improve showing love to Him. Do that just for a minute. While Kathy plays this song, you just pray to God. Jim's going to come and lead us in a song. And if you're here and you have not trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you need to do that today. And let's stand as we sing, Wonderful, Merciful Savior.